in my personal life. In my yes. personal life. I was refer- I was referencing your personal life and you're the guy that <laughs> might make bets for you from time to time. Shay- in a state that's legalized, of course. Shay for the sharp, I have to say, as a friend, you should have stopped me uh, from doing what I did. As a friend, you should have seen what I was about to do and said, Tony, let me talk to you real fast. Let me pull you aside and say, I know you're excited. I know you're feeling hot from this Pro Bowl Mike Vick appearance, but let's hold our horses here. Well... I took a real-life Pro Bowl bet, a bet on the Pro Bowl, and uh, I took... Always on black, fast stats in the pocket, whole squad, fast cash. Send the bookie, tell him, bring it from the bag. No, we coming for the bag. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the few in attendance and the thousands listening around the world, let's get ready to gamble. My name is Tony Cavallo. As always, I'm joined by Matthew Dangles, Daniel Antonio, Schaefer the Sharp, Drew Schaefer, Crookson, and we are the West Coast Gamblers, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network and the only gambling show that makes you money. And today is the beginning of Super Bowl week. Oh boy, Bengals and Rams. It's here. It's finally here. It's the middle of February. It's almost Valentine's Day. It's the latest the Super Bowl has ever been, but we're covering the Super Bowl just the same. Today's show is not going to give out a lot of bets for the Super Bowl. It's very much a, a celebratory show to celebrate these two teams, have some fans on the show, talk about some NFL hot topics, but the betting will come later. We have the Props of Palooza coming up later on in the week where yours truly we talked about this all year by now 13 and 5 in last year's Super Bowl we're bringing back that whole entire system and we're going to it again with this Super Bowl and I may and I may do something I have not done in two years and something that I've hit in six out of seven Super Bowls I'm pretty sure I I have exactly what this bet is (laughs) I'm pretty sure I have hold on let me say it first before you make fun of it I'm pretty sure I have the first song of the Super Bowl halftime show locked up Drew, you what do you have got? a good, I will say, Tony, for all the boasting and chest beating that Tony Squares typically does, that is his uh, calling card, if you will. I will give him this. He is typically very good at the first song of the halftime show. I'll Six give out him of seven. One, I'll give him that one small victory. Well, you may recall, Dangles, I went on a uh, podcast uh a while back and gave out some players championship picks that didn't go very well. So we're really proud of Tony squares. Uh, he was on, uh, uh the gaming society, gaming society, uh, show with Mike Vick and, uh, Dave Anderson had a great appearance on there. Well done. Tony just wanted to know uh, how your pro bowl bet went. Well, uh, the Pro Bowl bets I gave out on the Vic show went out great. Kirk Cousins did not hit his passing over, but every single running back, no, I don't think a running back reached 10 total rushing yards, and I gave out all <laughs> six unders on them. Deontay Johnson hit his long reception. I don't believe C.D. Lamb did, and I'm unsure who the MVP is because we're recording right now at the at the end of the Pro Bowl, so I don't know if that went right. But the 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 mortal lock I gave, the back up the brink struck, was every single rushing under and all those hit. Very happy about that. That. in my personal life in my yes. personal life i was refer- i was referencing your personal life and you're the guy that <laughs> might make bets for you from time to time Shay- in a state that's legalized of course shave for the sharp i have to say as a friend you should have stopped me uh from doing what <laughs> i did as a friend you should have seen what i was about to do and said tony let me talk to you real fast let me pull you aside and say i know you're excited i know you're feeling hot from this pro bowl mike vick appearance but let's hold our horses here well 
I took a real-life Pro Bowl bet, a bet on the Pro Bowl, and uh, yep. I took the number, the point total was 62.5 points, a number that if you added up the last four Pro Bowl scores together, you wouldn't get 62.5. So I, thinking I was smarter than the uh, the man in Vegas, took the under and placed real-life wages on that under. Well, lo and behold, the score in the Pro Bowl is in the 70s, and that's because <laughs> there was a bunch of new rules in the Pro Bowl uh, this year, none of which I bothered to look up because that's ah, not going to change the score of the game. Nay, nay. There's a 4th and 15 rule dangles that yeah, if I— I saw that a if, play that they ran this way. If I score a touchdown, that means I, instead of kicking it off to you, can keep the ball on 4th and 15 for my own 25, and if I get it, I keep going. I could double dip, get two touchdowns in a row without you touching the ball. The problem to that bet is if I don't get the 4th and 15, the other team gets it and starts on my 25 going in. And so with nine minutes left in the first quarter, three fourth and 15s were ran, none were achieved, and four touchdowns were scored. Unders be damned. I hate the fourth and 15 rule, and I feel like an idiot for betting on the Pro Bowl. Well, uh, I did want to—well, let's do some bet—potentially bet cashing in real time. Tony, remind the listeners what your uh, uh, Mike Vick, Dave Anderson MVP bets were. I, I don't think they're going to go right, so this is a stupid idea. My two MVPs were Herbie, Herbert, and Kirk Cousins. Ooh, well, you did do one of two there. Justin Herbert, offensive MVP for the there Pro Bowl. Max, Max Crosby got the other one, the defensive MVP. But you cashed because pl- I thought I remembered from your hit. That's a plus seven fifty hit. I thought I remembered from your hit. I was like, I'm pretty sure he gave out Herbo as the, as an MVP. Literally, and I just right looked it now. up. I just looked it up. Sure enough, Herbo is the offensive MVP for the Pro Bowl. Li- well, live right now. I just got a text from my father. Good hit on MVP T. He's watching too. Um, so. I, it was more of a that was supposed to make fun of Tony Squares for his awful over under bet on the Pro Bowl. In all seriousness, great job on the show, Tony. You did very well, and your bets did great too. So very proud yeah. of you, bud. Good job. Repping the brand, repping the brand well. Well, on today's show, we have a big show coming up. We're going to talk about the coaching hires that have happened, including one that just happened right before we recorded. We'll talk about that in a little bit. We have a lot to say about those uh, seven coaching hires as of this moment. But first, before we get there. We've been having Bengals fans on this show to rep their brand since the beginning. And the Bengals, somehow, someway, the quest for seven became a quest for one, and they are in the Super Bowl. So coming up next, we have not one, but two diehard Cincinnati Bengals fans. Mr. Big Scary Man Guy is returning, and of course, the player prop prince himself, Mr. Chris Dell from the Bet Predators. Chris Dell, Big Scary Man Guy, coming up to talk Bengals, and that's happening Next. Dub C to the G, West Coast Gamblers. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel. 
Very excited to have these two men on, and it's a whole lot of orange coming at your vid sets here. We have the return of the none other than big scary man guy himself, and of course from the Bet Predators, the Prince of Player Props, Mr. Chris Dell, both of whom are wearing their Bengals colors, both of whom are on cloud nine that Joe Burrow in year two is in the Super Bowl. Boys, welcome back to the show. Excitement level one to ten. What are we feeling? Come on. Dell, get him. Get him, Dell. I've got a lot to say, so you get him first. <laughs> uh, uh, man, uh, excitement level, like 9,800, like just great, crazy amount, right? That, yeah, I thought I was going crazy during the whole game, and I was like, what am I actually going to do if they win? I, I live on the fourth story in my apartment complex on the top floor here. I was like, oh, God. I jump off the ba- balcony if there was like at least like a twin size mat or something around. <laughs> But actually, when they kicked the when they kicked the game winning field goal, I literally just laid on the floor, face down for like five minutes and didn't even make a sound. I was crazy, <laughs> batshit loud the entire. I was speechless after they did it. Couldn't believe it, and afterwards had to go out and celebrate. So it, it was just one of those things where you didn't even know what the emotions are going to be if they were to win. I just wanted them to keep the game competitive. And then I started in the second half. I'm like, what if they actually can win? And it just, it was just insane. Man. It's it's almost like you still can't believe it. But here we are in a hashtag and Joe Burrow we trust, man. That's all I can say. Oh, no question. Big Scary, how was your AFC championship experience? I clotheslined my 85-year-old grandmother. Uh, I put my mom <laughs> through a wall. I was the opposite of Dell. I was screaming. I was yelling. I'm a singer. I shouldn't have. I don't care. Because, come on, man. The world wants to take the Bengals lightly. But we don't care because we got Joe Shiesty. We got Joe Cool Joey, the franchise. And any Ric Flair promo you want to put, that's how I feel every time I talk about Joseph Lee Burrow. We got a trash offensive line, doesn't matter. 31-year drought, it doesn't matter. This is bigger than us, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to do it. We're going to win the freaking Super Bowl. You got to believe. Oh, man. I'm excited for both of you guys. I'm excited to watch through you because also on the other side of the coin, the Los Angeles Rams has have been. Dangles and I started this podcast to f- uh, follow and focus on the Los Angeles Rams when they moved here. So we've been rooting for them on the side with our other teams as well. And to see it actually come to fruition, to see Matthew Stafford do what he's done. I know Schaefer the Sharp loves those Lions. And to see his homegrown boy uh, Stafford make the Super Bowl as well after not having a playoff win to his name. It's a it's an awesome matchup for NFL fans, What no matter what team you're rooting for. But those Bengals fans, man, it's been a long, long time. And I'm so excited that you guys get to see it. It's amazing. Well, guys, I mean, I think I said this last podcast, but in the history of the NFL, has there been a more likable, likable quarterback matchup than Joey Burrow and Matthew Sta- Stafford? I mean, I don't. I haven't heard anyone say a bad word about him, and I'm curious. I'm curious. I'm sure we'll get into this, but you know, this elusive home field really doesn't apply in the Super Bowl anyway. It's a big kind of ritzy corporate event. I know the Rams are makeshift hosting it, but I'm curious. I'm very curious if that game's close in the second half. I expect even in Los Angeles house, I expect a pro Bengals crowd, guys. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Nobody, nobody Please. who lives who nobody who lives in Los Angeles, like nobody who really lives in Los Angeles and like is a Rams fan and would go to the game can afford to go to this game. That's it's fair. Completely ridiculous. So it's just gonna be a it's gonna be rich people in the crowd, and there's gonna be no there's gonna be no side. If anything, I think you're gonna see Bengals fans traveling well. They've struggled with putting butts in seats of actual fans since they got here. I just I just don't think you're gonna see 
a world where we have it's a blue out kind of thing where there's just so no. many Rams fans like you're gonna no be way. it's gonna be fine it's gonna be fine from a fan perspective now mm-hmm. uh, again boys dangles is recording this as you can see from his garage there's a nice couch there so if either of you two want to uh, fly out here you're more than welcome to sleep on the couch and try to uh, uh, bum a ticket to the Super Bowl there's room there did that thought ever cross your minds to come out to LA and see what you could do out here or even just be in the mix yeah I probably should go. <laughs> if I didn't have so many shows booked, I would because I've won a lot off the Bengals this year. I'm betting on the quest for seven, the division. I bet on them to win the, the AFC championship for like forever ago. I've won a lot. It's been really good. Dell, I know you're uh, you're the master gambler over here. Has that thought ever crossed your mind to come out to the West Coast, see what you could do? No, I, I, I actually considered going to Tennessee two weeks ago and driving up there to watch that game. Mm. And something came up just work-related with my schedule. But, yeah, I mean, it's obviously like, you know, we're here now. And, uh, you know, it's uh, – I've never been a big fan of going to NFL games personally. I, I, I love the action sitting at home or going out to the bar, but you know, it's definitely something in, in the future to consider because I think this Bengals team is going to be contending for a while now. It is funny as you get older, you realize you are becoming kind of like your parents, like that progressive commercial with the, with the, with the parking's just crazy yep. here, guys. Let's but not talk listen. about leaving the Boom. game before we get in the Real stadium. Quick. That's fair. <laughs> like, this is, <laughs> is Shaver the Sharp. This is the Shaver the Sharp uh, econ corner for about 30 seconds. Who the fuck has $30,000 to go to the Super Bowl? I mean, come on. I mean, like maybe obviously the rich celebs in the Hollywood Hills, but I saw these tickets. What are we doing here, guys? What are we doing? The Super Bowl's not for the people, What's it's my for point? corporate, you know. Yeah, exactly, Dangle. So good on you guys. Stay at home, Which have sucks. a party, drink your beer, have a ball. This is, Close a, city line, of ten, this is a city of 10 I million. Will. The Rams are in the Super Bowl. What would be better for this franchise than to see the stands filled out with Rams fans? At least they'd like to at least say, hey, okay, finally, they made the Super Bowl. We don't show up for regular season games, but we'll at least show up when you make the fucking Super Bowl in their hometown. But nobody, nobody who's a, an Angelino who's like a Rams fan from the old days when they were here in the early 90s doing the Ramit video is going to be coming to the Super Bowl because they can't fucking afford it. I mean, it's weird, too, because we know that that owner, Stan Kroenke, is is a man of the people and he's in it for the love of the game and not oh, yeah. for the money. It's an odd, odd oh, change yeah. for him. Um, Dell and uh, Big Scary, when it comes down to the game, obviously it's been a, a Cinderella run, but you, it's not like you've fallen into these wins. You've come back from uh, down big. You've faced adversity with the nine sacks. You've had your life on the line with uh, Derek Carr and fourth and goal at the end of the game there. So you guys have won all of these games. I'm not asking you to say how do you see this game playing out against the Rams, who I believe could be your toughest opponent, at least defensively, that you've seen so far. But with the way the Bengals have won these games, what do you expect to see come Sunday, whether it's on offense or defense? Like, I, I expect this guy to show up. Obviously, there's Joe Burrow, but what has the Bengals been doing well that you think is going to continue against this Rams? Let's start with Dell. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the thing that gets lost in translation is the Bengals' defense and how good they've been in key situations. And the second-half adjustments that they've made, this has been dating back to like midway through the regular season and obviously you know my partner over at betting predators sleepy jay he's been on the show before he brought up a really good stat to where i don't think the Bengals have a i think they're number one or number two in the nf in the nfl in terms of least amount of second half points allowed mm. uh dating back to around week 10 second half of the regular season onward through the playoffs and i don't think it's any coincidence what they did against the kansas city chiefs in both games it was basically almost the exact same type of game script that played out so uh you know i i heard uh, you guys talking about before i jumped on is Guys in the back end, like the safeties, you know, uh, you know Jesse Bates, uh, Von Bell. And then you got guys on the defensive line, uh, like Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard, defensive ends on the outside. You know, Trey, Trey Hendrickson was one of only three Bengals to make the Pro Bowl this year. 
Uh, you got also other talented linemen like DJ Reader. They signed from Seattle, who, who's been coming on as of late. He filled in once Larry Ogunjobi got hurt. Uh, so I think this Bengals defense is talented, and I like what uh, Lou Anarumo has done. I had to, I had to Google their pronunciation of his name <laughs> a couple weeks ago once he actually got on my radar. But you know what this guy has done and the adjustments they've made after halftime of games has been very impressive. They have talent at the defensive back position. You know, a lot of people wanted them to make a lot of free agent signings on the offensive line, and they they signed one or two guys, Riley Reef, et cetera. But they signed three defensive backs: Shadobi Awuze from Dallas. They signed. Uh, Mike Hilton from the division rival Steelers. And then yeah. they signed Eli Apple from the saints as well as Henderson from the Saints. So they spent a lot of money on this defense. And, and to be honest, this has been an underwhelming defense for most of the year in terms of the numbers they've given up where they rank in PFF and DVOA. But uh, with the adjustments, with the talent they have on paper, I, I think this is a defense that can hang uh, uh, with the Rams offense, so to speak. I don't think they're going to shut them down by any means, but I think they can do enough to keep the Bengals offense in it. So uh, I think that's a big X factor that not a lot of people are talking about here. Love I love it. that stat. I love that stat that Sleepy brought up. And it looks like just I was just checking it out to put a uh, sort of a cherry on it. Third in the league this year, the Bengals were in second half points allowed. And in the playoffs, Ooh. 6.3 points over, Talk. In, in their playoff Ooh. run. 6.3 points given up in the second half. So, uh, I mean, you got to love that as a fan, that second half. Talk dirty to me, baby. <laughs> it's going to be tough for the Rams. <laughs> oh. Big scary, same question to you. Dell talked about the defense. Maybe you can touch on the offense. Who's someone that you think is going to show up to the big lights in the big game? I wouldn't be surprised if we had two running backs in the backfield and we went T formation because we're going to need an outlet for Joe Burrow because we know Aaron Donald. We know that, you know, Miller's going to be coming off the edge. I'm so not nervous anymore. Like, I was scared <laughs> this whole time, and now it's like, of course I want to win the Super Bowl, but, like, when I first came on the West Coast Gamblers, right, I told you guys I felt like the defense. We made a lot of moves with the defense, yeah. and they were going to surprise people. They surprised me. I didn't think they were this good. I didn't think they were going to make plays. But here's the thing about the Bengals that I have to say. I'm not going to go crazy on numbers. I'm just going to go eye test. They make plays when they have to. Every time when the game is on the line do you think burrow's afraid burrow threw a pick that was terrible against the chiefs and our defense could have folded and we could have been done as a matter of fact i looked at mahomes eyes he was done he had nothing left and no one had ever seen him like that stafford i love him he's a man he's awesome he's gonna make mistakes we're going to make him make mistakes, and I don't see Joe Burrow making mistakes. He's too, he's too wonderful and beautiful and great. We have not seen the, the classic Matthew Stafford can't believe he just threw that ball play in a quite some time. It hasn't happened happen. all playoffs. He's due. It's, he's due. It's, well, it's, it's, it's it actually it's happened happen. against the Niners, but just ja, Jaquiski ja, ja, target. Very yeah. true. He did. He dropped the pick in Very the middle true. of the field. That's true. Yeah. That was so bad. <laughs> Del. I want to get your input. I know we've been texting through all these playoffs. I want to hear some of your early leans on props and get uh, get our boy Big Scary's input on those. Um, but the first thing I want to, to talk about briefly is this kicking matchup. I know I listened to your your, your <laughs> colleagues over there, Sleepy J. Well, anyone wants and, to uh, talk about uh, Adam's Super Bowl. And, and, and Diamond Dave. No, but seriously, this is a no, big, right, this is a right. big, big so advantage right. for the Bengals. We got Ice McPherson oh. versus Matt Gay, who came up short on a 40-yard field goal. That was insane. So I, I, I was looking at some of these field goal props, and I don't want to, you know, if you don't have any, that's fine. But I want to hear where your head's at with, with some of these early props and leans you have, Dell, and then get, uh, get Big Scary's input after Dell goes. Yeah. Um, well, specifically with the kickers, there's two props that I like. One is Evan McPherson over one and a half field goals, which he's hit oh. in every game throughout the playoffs. Um, I'm surprised that's not juiced higher than it is already. 
Uh, maybe it catches some steam. You know, it's like week one. It's like the lines don't move too much. A few prop lines here and there. I think, you know, everyone says week week two is when the public comes in and influences the market to a degree. So it's like if you like overs, you want to bet your overs early. You know, maybe now is about the final end of when you want to bet overs because they're going to get steamed up a lot. Uh, yeah, in far, as far as unders go, I don't know if that's the case. Like, I, I think if there's a sharp underplay on the board, it's been bet already. And I don't know if the books are going to allow the public to move those under numbers up because then they're just going to get hit hard by the sharps on the unders again. So I'm not sure if it's going to go that way. I was talking to Sleepy and uh, Steve Reeder from Betting Predators about that. Interesting to see how that goes this week because the prop market is larger than ever before yeah. heading into this Super Bowl here. Uh, so I, I like the Bengals over one and a half. McPherson actually just needs three made, three made field goals, I believe, to break the postseason record for uh, made field goals in a postseason yep. run. So I'm not sure if that really means anything, but it definitely doesn't hurt the case. for It for does. There. Yeah, it and then does. I like Bengals' longest field goal. Uh, basically, Bengals have a longer made field goal than the Rams. Obviously, like there's been rumors that Matt Gay has been dealing with some type of injury, and obviously yeah. you mentioned the 40-yarder that he missed there. And McPherson's just been money anywhere from like 50-plus yards, not just for the playoffs, but for the entire season. So actually, those are two of my favorite uh, game props, so to speak, for, for this game here. Um, you know, the one prop that I actually do like the most, I don't think it's like, cause I actually kind of like the Bengals on the spread at plus four and a half. Uh, but I, I like Joe Mixon under uh, 65 and a half rushing yards. Mm. I believe like th- that's been steamed down a couple yards since it came out. I think, I think points bet still has it at 65 and a half. It's just that the Rams, when you look at them across the board, like they're one of the best, if not the best run defense in the entire league here, you saw what they did to the 49ers run game last week. They averaged like barely over two yards of carry. No matter where you look, like PFF run defense, number one, uh, ESPN's run stop win rate, number one, uh, run defense DVOA, number five. So the the Rams are are solid across the board, you know, elite across the board in terms of their run defense. And Mixon's been a little inefficient, even in the playoff games we've seen, other than last week against the Chiefs, who had a really bad uh, run defense. So I think Mixon can be involved, a big part of the game plan through the receiving game, too. But I don't think he's going to have the efficiency to get there. I actually bet Mixon over 16 and a half rush attempts. And under 65 and a half yards, I've got him projected wow. for about eight, 18 carries uh, for about 58, 59 yards. So I, I do see an edge there and kind of a middle opportunity to where he could get a lot of carries. But then, uh, you know, he also isn't going to get the efficiency to get those yards there. So those are two props that I like for the Bengals. Uh, uh, big scare, your boy Joe Mixon. You think he's going to have a tough day against those Rams? It's possible. But the thing with Mixon is he could break one off. So it's kind of... I kind of agree with you, Dell. I think that he's going to have a lot of carries and, and not many. Why do we run it on first down every play? Like, why? Every day. <laughs> hey, what is hey, the percentage? Dell's been screaming from the mountaintops all playoffs. He's been screaming from the mountaintops. Like, why? Every time. We do it every freaking time. And I'm like, here we go. Run up the middle. Here we go. One yard. Awesome. But uh, I don't know what the prop is, but whatever it is for Chase – for yards, I'm going over. I don't care what it is. Even with Ramsey, because that's a big matchup. Ramsey. 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 Come on. Listen, he is the best corner in the game. Not saying that he's not, but I watched him get burned on a vertical against Mike Evans. Yeah. And Mike Evans might be a more complete receiver, but Tebow he's not. With him. Yeah. That's what I mean. I'm not afraid. And yeah, no, he's not. Dude, Chase gets over 100 yards in a sleep. Even when he's not doing anything. Like, there were games where I was like, oh, Chase didn't do much, and it's like 150 yards. I'm like, never mind. I'm just used to him getting 300 yards. You know what uh, I mean? So I'm taking Chase all day. 
Chase the dream, baby. Another wide receiver, because I do think I'm against you on that. I think Chase is kind of going to be taken out of the game. Because, again, it's not even that uh, Chase won't beat Ramsey. It's does Joe Burrow look that way with Ramsey over there, or do they try to run the offense to the other side of the field? And I'm looking at T. Higgins. I I don't know what his numbers are right Mm. now, but as I'm diving into these, I really like to see what T. Higgins can do, because he, to me, is a reliable, over-the-middle possession receiver. Gets those big chunk yards, gets those first downs, and I think those are going to be essential in this Super Bowl where you're trying to move the chains and keep the ball out of Stafford's hands. Do you boys agree with me, Dell and Big Scary, that uh, T. Higgins might have a little bit more on his plate come in this Super Bowl? I want to believe you. He's dropping a lot. He did have a huge catch on that drive that we needed the most. But, man, he's been scaring me. I would almost look at Tyler Boyd in that situation because he's sneaky good, especially on third down. He makes a lot of catches that you don't expect from him. Um, But, yeah, no, I'm sorry, dude. Chase, like, he's going to do it. Like, he's going to do it. What do you think about T. Higgins? Well, the, the Bengals have a very concentrated passing attack. It's it's literally you have three wide receivers running all the routes, and then whoever they're going to have in at tight end, whether it's Uzoma or some combination of the backups with Sample and Mitch Wilcox. So oh. it's going to be it's it's going to be Boyd, Higgins, and Chase. Boyd's going to get underneath stuff, uh, short area targets, etc. But you know, I, I think with Higgins and Chase, I mean, they could both get over five and a half catches. The line is like heavily juiced over for Chase. It's like minus one fifty. That was that was something you kind of missed out on. It came out earlier in the week at like minus one ten. I didn't bet it personally, but I know Sleepy likes that play. Uh, T Higgins, you can get at plus money, which I actually don't mind. I've been looking at that a lot. I uh, haven't made an official plan yet, but you can get plus 110 for D Higgins over five and a half catches. I'm guessing that's the type of prop that probably will get steamed up. You probably will not be able to get that at plus money by next weekend. So I don't mind the overs on both those guys because of that. Here's the thing about Ramsey. The, almost the entire year, he hasn't shadowed. Like he shadowed in maybe three games all season. Now, one of those games was two weeks ago against Tampa with Mike Evans. But Mike Evans finished that game with like nine catches for 120 some yards, yep. beat him on the deep play, would have still got gone over his reception totals without that long touchdown catch. Now, Ramsey is a veteran at this point in his career. Like he's very good against those big bodied physical type of receivers. Like I do not believe Jalen Ramsey has the speed to keep up with Chase. So I think this mm. is a matter of scheme here. Like what is Raheem Morris going to do? Is he going to leave Ramsey one-on-one on an island with Chase? Now, if he does that, then I think Chase can absolutely burn Ramsey in this game for at least one or two big plays. The question is, do they send secondary help over the top with an extra safety? They have to be playing like two two high shells and giving him some some help over the top because there's no way. If he couldn't keep up, Debo Samuel went, what, four four for 72 and a touchdown on him with a 44 long. Like, again, had had his way with them. They're going to have to have some safety help over top. I I just don't see Jalen Ramsey being able to add to your point to shadow him one-on-one all day long and, and be but successful at that if that safety help is eric weddle who's older than all of us combined <laughs> let's is go that really tony is starting help? to come to my side eric starting to see been playing, he's been playing okay for a guy you pulled they pulled off the street he hasn't That's been actively true. bad well rap taylor rap got into full practice this uh yes for this past friday so he's he's gonna play if he got yeah. into full practice a week before the game he's gonna play uh, I'm not, but the, the rest of the coverage for the, the Rams isn't really that good. You know, the one surprising thing to me is you think of Rams and you think of this defense, but the Rams defense overall against the pass, like I think over the last half of the season, they're like middle of the pack at best. Uh, so when you kind of look at that overall, you, you, you see the PFF grades for Cincinnati, like they have the number two passing offense in the league, according to PFF, a little bit better than the Rams. 
whereas on on defense, you know, the Rams are number one across the board in a lot of metrics, but their coverage grade is number 12. And when you take away Ramsey outside of that, I'm guessing they're probably in the bottom five, bottom 10 in the league. So I absolutely think T. Higgins can eat in this matchup if the Rams do go that way. So over five and a half at plus money, I really do like that. I probably lean to play Jamar Chase over the yardage, but Ooh. I'm not really sure. I, I, I could see that one going either way. Uh, if anything, if I had to pick a receiver prop, it would be T. Higgins at this point uh, with yeah. that plus money before the plus money goes away. Yeah, that uh, the Rams passing uh, defense has been suspect at times, but they live and die off of that pass rush. And that pass rush has been delivering against much better offensive lines than they're going to face at the Super Bowl. No offense to the two boys here. Before we let you go, though, I do want to flip it to the other side because when it comes down to that great Cincinnati Bengals defense playing against this Rams offensive line that has protected Stafford really well, Stafford has not made mistakes in the playoffs, but to me it seems like they're going to be continually one-dimensional in this offense. Cam Akers has, has played really well, but that offensive rushing attack has not really performed. Again, they played the Tampa Bay defense and the San Francisco defense, two very good rush defenses. Do you guys think you're going to make uh, Stafford be the winner in this thing, or do you think Cam Akers has a chance to do better on his props than he has the past two weeks? Cam Akers is going to put the ball on the ground twice. <laughs> twice, two times, and Drew Sample sucks. You go ahead, Dell. <laughs> oh man, I love that. I love that analysis. There. Um, man, you know, I, I, so so I, I actually I actually made a small bet on Acres over his rushing yards when it was at fifty eight and a half to start the week, but most books have him like sixty three and a half now. I wouldn't be comfortable betting that number. Uh, here's the thing is like scheme wise, the Bengals, like you call them like a run funnel type of defense. They actually want you to run the ball on them, which yeah. is actually kind of a smart thing in this day's NFL. So, uh, you know, the efficiency, you know, Josh Jacobs over four yards of carry, uh, you know, Dante Foreman ran all over them in that second round in the second round game with the Titans. And then, you know, both McKinnon and CEH both had success to varying levels uh, in the chiefs game too. So I think that acres will have efficiency here. And we've also seen McVay come out with like a run first approach, yep. trying to take the pressure off of Matthew Stafford. So there is an advantage there. I also like Sony Michelle. There's only a few books that have this, but you can bet Sony Michelle over 17 and a half rushing yards uh, at bet rivers and a few other places right now. Oh, yeah. um, what, what I actually did was I, I bet over acres, 58 and a half. I bet Michelle over 17 and a half. But then I went on the flip side, tried to middle it, and I bet the Rams, this is on DraftKings, Rams team rushing yards under 110 and a half. So there's about a 30-yard difference there when you take out those two backs. I don't see Stafford picking up yards on the ground like maybe Burrow might with an extra 10, 15 there. So uh, those are a couple props I do like. I think the efficiency will be there for the Rams, but that's what the Bengals want. They want to try to entice the Rams to run more. And then when Stafford does drop back, if they don't bring pressure and they don't blitz, well, that's the best type of defense you want to have against Matthew Stafford because we all know Stafford's very good against the blitz. So I, that that's kind of my overall thoughts on the Rams offense. I think the numbers on the Rams passing side are kind of where they should be. I don't really see any value at the moment on the overs with guys like OBJ, Cooper Cup, et cetera. Yeah. So um, uh, that, that's just kind of my overall. I've only kind of bet mostly running back props so far at this point. Love it. Love it. Sony I, Michelle, I love it. as of the court recording of this, Sony Michelle plus 240 for an anytime touchdown. He spent a number of years on my Patriots. They love to use him in the goal line situation. I would now. He's just obscure enough. He's just obscure enough to get a goal line carry and to bash it in for a touchdown during this Super Bowl. I don't hate that at uh, at all whatsoever. Uh, Sony Michelle getting an anytime touchdown or Samaje P. Ryan at plus 400. He had a touchdown, I believe, in that Chiefs game. Broke a big, big one. one off. Could get in as well. I just want to throw in one touchdown thing. I thought it was kind of funny prop, but first, first touchdown score Jersey number under 23 and a half. 
you can get that at like minus 130. I actually like that, like kind of a goofy yeah. prop to play with Stafford, Burrow, Jamar Chase. Chase. Then, then you have Cooper Cup, OBJ, Van Jefferson, Cam oh, Akers. Yeah. Wow. All their Take that. And a half numbers. So I, li- I like that better. I love I love the Super Bowl for all the prop gets you can take. And we're going to do, as we said earlier in the show, we're going to do the prop of Palooza coming later this week where the three of us attack all the props that we have. Again, 13-5 and five last year's Super Bowl, hoping Ooh. to continue that for this year's Super Bowl. But we're doing it with the knowledge from you two gentlemen right here. Listen, Big Scary, you came on the show for the first time. It was the quest for seven, trying to get over six and a half wins in the regular season. The quest for seven oh, yeah. was completed, and Boom. now you're in the Super Bowl. Gentlemen, it is the quest for one. One oh. more game to win, one Lombardi trophy oh. to raise. <laughs> I wait. can't wait <laughs> to live vicariously through you two. Thank you for coming on the show, for Chris Dell, for Big Scary Man Guy once again. And hey, who day? Go bang it, baby. Who day? Do it. Figure it out. West, 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 West Coast Gamblers. Well, Drew, the moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. That's right, Tony Squares. And in honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. That means if I bet just $5, I get 280 in free bets if I win. That's right, Tony. And DraftKings Sportsbook is now live from New York, meaning New you can York. bet from almost a third of the country. Yes, Tony, the concrete jungle itself. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56 new customers can get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their first deposit. All you got to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code WCG and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code WCG at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. You got to be 21 years or older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. It's void where prohibited. You got a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee red line 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. That's promo code WCG for DraftKings Sportsbook. Dub C to the G, West Coast Gamblers. All right, boys, that was a very eventful, very loud. I think my eardrums were blown out by big, scary man guys yelling at the microphone there. But hey, man, Bengals fans are excited, and we're excited. It's going to be one hell of a Super Bowl. Again, that Palooza show is coming out later this week. But before we go off, we have some hot topic stuff to cover. Seven head coaches at the time of recording have been hired to new NFL jobs. Seven. NFL coaches. Houston and New Orleans still don't have a coach. New Orleans, obviously, Sean Payton left. Houston is rumored to be signing Josh McCown as their head coach, I say with a big question mark. But hey, we'll cover that when it happens. But seven head coaches are signed, sealed, and delivered to Dangles. You got a joke about Josh McCown? No, I was just going to say lots of experience coaching his son's high school team. That is his only coaching experience yeah let's just give him the give him the Texans give him the Texans job it's like it's just another administrator in a line of people that have come out of the Patriots organization gone somewhere else and then just did 
head scratching things as as a as a general manager like Nick what are we what are we doing over here it's going to be an interesting season David Cully and did not deserve what happened to him but hey oh man the seven people that did get hired before we go into it I will say Brian Flores came out suing the NFL the Miami Dolphins the Denver Broncos and the New York Giants uh, in a discrimination case saying that there's racial bias when it comes to uh, NFL coaches getting hired the NFL came out and said this this has no merit and then also said we have to do changes and all that stuff and I just you know sort of find it funny that I I Listen, I'm not one of those guys that says there's X percentage of black players in the NFL, so therefore there must be X percentage of black head coaches in the NFL. I understand a head coach needs to be like nothing needs to come into it other than how they are as a head coach and what they can do to lead men. But I will be saying all these NFL teams that come out and say, hey, we have to make changes, we have to be better, and then the next day each one of them hires a white dude. It's just a very interesting situation. We have to be better as an organization, but we'll let the next guy be better. We're going to hire this white dude that used to work for Sean McVay. Do you guys have anything you want to say about the Brian Flores situation? Obviously, everything is developing in that world. Brian Flores is falling on the sword here. I doubt he will ever get a head coaching job in the NFL again. But again, he's making his statement heard. Yeah, I agree. I, I I think it was bullshit. He was fired from Miami. Coach. It was a bullshit. A it was coach. bullshit that he was fired from, yeah, from Miami. And, and, and it, here's here's my here's my initial thoughts, guys. One, the NFL making that statement. These have no merit. Two hours after this lawsuit is just and then complete, Goodell sends what a, a letter. Like, what the fuck are you doing? You you can't have yeah, it both he, ways. I mean, to make that statement two hours after these allegations, but there's a, there's a through line in all these, right? This this is a this is a minority head coaching candidate accusing a white billionaire owner of wrongdoing okay and we live in a world where unfortunately uh you need proof of this do i believe brian flores i 100 percent believe brian flores unequivocally that stephen ross incentivized him to lose games but there's a big but here if you cannot provide proof and facts of quantity like measurable facts text whatever nothing will come of this and he will be blacklisted and that will be a shitty thing for him because if it comes to hearsay, if it comes to hearsay, he said, he said this, he said this. We know how the story goes. Yeah. Nothing's going to get changed. And Dan Snyder, same shit. Okay. I mean, Dan mm. Snyder's been a laughing stock for years, years. But again, now the, the, he, he apparently he had his attorney there who was with him when he said, no, Dan, bad idea, Dan, bad idea, Dan, when he's shoving his, his employee into the back of a limo. But again, when he says, it's just Jimmy Haslam. Dan Snyder, Stephen Ross, just uniform chorus. These are all without merit. And they're unequivocally false. John Elway, unequivocally false. So, again, I hope these guys and and you you we, we kind of saw Hugh um, uh, Hugh Jackman kind of Jackson yeah kind of back Hugh off G- what he said. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I, uh, I listen, Hugh Jackman, listen, the, the, the actor. I, no, no. Before you keep going, this uh, this lawsuit that Brian Flores brought up is a class action lawsuit. Therefore, other people can jump into it and join Brian Flores in suing the NFL if they have, as you said, the proof. Hugh Jackson was the first one that came out and said that Jimmy Haslam paid me to lose games, and then the next day. He came on and said, actually, no, that's not true. They didn't pay me to lose games. Either uh, he just wanted to be his 15 minutes of fame or he didn't have the proof to go forward with it. But I can guarantee you, Brian Flores and his lawyers, when they said, hey, does anybody want to speak up? And Hugh Jackson raised his hands. I guarantee you those lawyers went, ah, fuck. Nobody likes Hugh Jackson. Nobody. So, so but, you know, we can get into the bigger, we can get into the bigger, you know, what does this mean for football? I mean, I've been on record, you know, there's no tank in the NFL. You know why? Because the players are playing for their jobs. They're playing for their safety. The coaches are playing for the jobs. I never even thought from the top down 
that this would be an issue. And if it is, obviously, Stephen Ross has got to be out yesterday. Um, it, you know, we, we, we're a gambling show. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It won't, that will never happen. Yeah. That will never happen. If Dan well, Snyder still has his job, no, Stephen Dan, Ross will continue, to have, will continue to have his job. No, I That's, disagree. I disagree because yeah, if they can if, find if proof. If it's found that he did that, he'll be out. If they can find out. proof that he was sure. paying his coach or incentivizing people to lose games to get a better draft position, whatever. If he was <laughs> throwing money on the table I in just, order I'm for a convinced. team. No, no, listen to me. If he was throwing money on a table in order for players, uh, uh, for people in his organization to throw games and lose games because of the NFL is getting in bed with all these sports book and sports gambling is becoming yeah. uh, uh, in turn with the NFL. The NFL will come down on this because it, it's about the integrity of the game. What Dan Snyder did never was on the field. It was terrible things that he did in his organization, unforgivable things that he's accused of doing, yeah. but it never it took place in between the white lines. What Stephen Ross did uh, has has an effect on the game, and that will for, uh, force him to sell that team, in my opinion. Again, as Drew said, it must be proven. But well, Let's real quick, Tony. Yeah. I want I, I want to ask Dangles one question, and and I'm I'm being as serious as I can be with this, Dangles, because I have an opinion on it. Do you believe? And I don't think Tony Square's I know Tony Square's answer. Do you believe that Bill Belichick's text to Flores was 100 percent intentional, knowing what the result was going to be? No, because I, I. So you think it was an honest mistake by Bill Belichick? The most brilliant mind in all of NFL football. What does football, he have to, what does he have to, to be, gain by that? What does he have to gain by doing that? The destruction of the New York Giants. Look what I happened. Know, but, but, but why? Like, who cares? That he, Bell, the, Belichick well, does Stephen Ross is an asshole. No, Stephen same, Ross is an asshole. And also, it's the same team. It's the same organization that cost him a year of football when it came down to Deflategate. Yes. Like this is I, the same organ. Like this, Bill Belichick I holds. I don't believe. I I I tend to he believe it was. He wouldn't do that to Flores. He wouldn't do that to Flores. They're they they. You know what I mean. He like, would do that I, to Flores if he knew Flores wasn't going to be getting the job. And it was a listen. I, it's a conspiracy theory. That's for sure. I do believe it was a honest mistake by Bill Belichick. But I also wouldn't put it past him in that evil genius mind to be like the NFL fucked me over once. I know exactly what I could do to get him back because it is a remarkable text. But he wouldn't do that text. at the expense of someone. If you think he would. Do that in by and and and, and in order to accomplish that, throw someone else under the bus. That's just not who Belichick is. He didn't throw anybody under the bus. By he threw throwing, the NFL under the bus by throwing Flores. Essentially, he was he would Flores have been the, by came. sending that if the text was intentional. He's essentially throwing throwing Flores under the bus there with with that with that text. Is he not? Flores didn't have to come I, come open with this. I thought he was doing a solid by saying, "Hey, I'm I'm sorry to let you down, but they already gave that job to Dable. Didn't want to get your hopes up. Blah blah blah." In kind of a veiled way of like, "Oh, this is really fucked up." Let me and again. The, well, this will never be proven. I respect your opinion, obviously, Dangles. Let me Tony. ask you this: I Have totally you ever think it was intentional? Have I really you ever I think punched? Have, let, let me ask you this: Have you ever punched a phone number into your phone and looked up the looked the person up by name, and then in your haste to send the text, sent it to the wrong person with the same first name? I've done it. Yes, I. Have. I bet you, I guarantee yes. you, the two of you have done that as well, and a lot of people have. I've never done it because I am perfect. Let's move on to the seven head coaches <laughs> that were hired. Chay for the sharp, my friend. When we uh, jump yes. into the NFC North next year. Uh, the four head coaches in the NFC North will have a combined four years of coaching experience because both the Vikings and the Bears hired new men. Kevin O'Connell, OC of the Rams, will be the OC in the Super Bowl, is going to the Vikings. Matt Eberflus, the defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts, is going to the Chicago Bears. Honestly, none of these uh, – uh, I, I like Eberflus, Kevin O'Connell, I know nothing about, but none of these uh, tick the radar for me. Do you? Are you are you nervous now with the Vikings or Bears? No, I'm not, and obviously my – 
you know, my focus was on all this Harbaugh talk that was essentially, I was on the show saying it's not going to happen. I didn't think in a million years, maybe if the Raiders job opened, and then as we get into this, Harbaugh goes to Minnesota thinking he has the job, kind of a, a nine-hour interview type thing. He doesn't have the job. Uh, what a gong show. And uh, it cost Michigan their offensive coordinator today as they went to Miami. I will say um, the Miami Hurricanes, not the Miami Dolphins. To answer your question in short form, Tony, no. Like, like the, none of these coaching hires move the needle. Yeah. Just like, just like drafting, you know, you want to make these grades on these. You have to, you have to grade these three years down the line. I mean, no one hires Joe Judge thinking they're getting fucking Joe Judge. They hire Joe Judge thinking they're getting the next Bill Belichick. Yep. No one hires Adam Gase thinking, oh, this might be the next, you know, or the or or this might be the prequel to Sean McVay. No one hires bad coaches on purpose. Every hire they make is with good intentions, and obviously we know that statistically more than half these guys don't work out. But none of those move the needle, and none of those I would grade as my top three coaching hires on paper. We'll get to those later. Oh, I was going to say, well, what I will say for, you know, I don't know a ton about Kevin O'Connell, um, you know, other than, uh, and, and the only thing I really know about that search is it sounded like after that interview that Harbaugh wasn't convinced that the Vikings wanted him and the Vikings weren't convinced that they wanted Harbaugh yeah. and that he had his full, you know, that he, so, you know, if, and I, I understand that from Harbaugh's position. He was like, well, look, I don't want you. I don't want to work for you if you're not going to fully commit to me, if you don't really want me. So I get that. For the Bears, I mean, Tony, you know, Squares, you talked about the issues, uh, the systemic issues in that organization with the leadership and the ownership, and I I think you're right about that, and I think that's as long as that's the case, it's going to continue to dog them. But what I will say, at least from what I saw in that first press conference from Matt Eberflus, I was very impressed that he didn't try to do what Joe Judge did and say we're going to win and we're going to be this and we're going to be that and we're going to do all these great things and here are the things you can expect from me. He's just like, look, I'm going to come in and I'm going to coach hard. I want my guys to play with intensity. I want them to play fast. You know, I want them to play with their heads in the game kind of thing and, and basically just came in and said this is how I'm going to coach. I think that sets you up really well. I think that was a smart tack for him to take, not trying to win over a fan base that's probably bitter from the, the revolving door of head coaches that have come in and out and and is probably, you know, like a like a spurned lover still hurting a little bit from the last time that they were broken up with. So I think for the for the Bears, I mean, it's a good start right now that the question is they need the, the problem isn't their defense. They had like the sixth best defense statistically in the NFL this past season. The problem is their offense, which produced the six worst points per game at 18.1 in the NFL this past season. I guess you could make the argument maybe Eberflus can help Justin Fields see the game from a defensive point of view, um, but we'll see. Uh, he, he obviously brought with him um, uh, the new offensive coordinator is going to be your quarterback's coach there, Tony. Is that Luke? Getzey. Isn't that right? Luke Getzey, who worked, who hasn't done. He doesn't have a laundry list on what, based on what I looked up, of like all these great quarterbacks that he whispered into greatness. Most of his career, it seems, has been with Aaron Rodgers and a couple of college stints along the way. Um, but you know, obviously, you hope this guy gets gets in there and is able to do something with them. But I, I mean, I like the fit for for Chicago for for Iberflus. the question is can they get the offense on track and and build the offense around Justin Fields which it sounds like they're doing well I'm happy Iberflus in his uh, introductory press conference kept the expectations realistic because the GM came in and said we're going to take the north and never give it back which made me <laughs> smile oh, made me yeah. smile dangles I mean, can you can you blame him who wouldn't say that kind of coming into you know what I mean <laughs> I mean I would, but I wouldn't say that because again, you're 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 making you're, you're opening yeah. yourself up Keep to old bar, takes no, exposed. Uh, Dangles, your favorite uh, head coach in the league has been hired to the Miami Dolphins, Mike McDaniel, the OC from the San yeah. Francisco Forty Nine ers. My favorite. 
Uh, because he's an absolute pothead stoner that has great press conference one-liners. I feel like it's right up your alley. You're going to fall in love with this guy. What do you think about Mike McDaniel, the San Francisco OC? He, he looks like a toddler. Well, he was the run game coordinator before he became. This is only his first year as San Francisco's offensive coordinator. He, he ran the run game before that. Um, obviously, that went super well for the for the 49ers. They were, even the year before they were able to be great. You know, Jeff. Remember, Jeff Wilson had a stint uh, uh, where he was playing in in relief and and did a great job so this guy's got chops on the run game side of things so so good for Miami they don't really have much of a run game I mean it's it's kind of tough it's kind of tough to know right we this guy's kind of an unknown quantity at the coaching position I know he didn't call the offensive plays for the 49ers that remained uh in the hands of 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 Kyle Shanahan so didn't do anything you know, well, that's, and that's kind of the thing. So so we'll see here. The, the Dolphins also talked to Vance Joseph, Kellen Moore, Dan Quinn, Leslie Frazier, and Thomas Brown, who's a, an assistant head coach for the Rams. So a lot more experienced names among the guys that uh, that they interviewed. But we'll, we'll see here. I, I, I did see Mike McDaniel's Mike Jones reference in that press conference. And, He's an and interesting I like cat. He's supposed to be smart as a whip and, and, and is very engaging and, like, is a player's kind of coach, which, you know, you got to love for, for a team like like Miami, but um, we'll see. This is this is a team that has a lot of skill gaps to fill on its offensive Andrew, side. Andrew Hawkins came out and said Mike McDaniel is the smartest man he's ever met when it comes to NFL coaches. So obviously the guy is 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 ready to break down the game X and O's wise. But can he lead a team? I'm very interested to see how Miami works out. I will say really quickly, the Denver Broncos hired my another Green Bay uh, person, Nathaniel Hackett, who is in charge of our red zone offense, passing game coordinator. Aaron Rodgers is a huge fan of him. It has the sports book thinking that. Aaron Aaron is going to be traded to the Denver Broncos to play under Nathaniel Hackett. Listen, our red zone the past three years, the two years ago we were the number one in the league. The last two years in between we were middle of the road. If you're hiring a guy who had an Aaron Rodgers red zone offense be middle of the road, it makes me question all the decisions you're making. But again, Nathaniel Hackett, definitely a player's coach, going to be interested to see what he brings out of Denver. Also interested to know if Drew Schaefer, the sharp Crookston, is going to bet the over on Denver wins for the seventh year in a row. But Drew... <laughs> Let me ask you about uh, your boy Brian Dable going to the New York Giants. We talked about how great that Buffalo offense was with him running the helm. He made Josh Allen a uh, 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 sort of unknown at, at, with all the talent in the world, and he made him into an MVP caliber quarterback. Can he do the same with a Daniel Jones? Unlikely, but do you think he's going to be the man to run this organization? Obviously, a lot of fucking shit show going on with the Giants with this Flores situation, but Brian Dable, to yeah. me, deserves to be a head coach. you got to be excited for your boy. Well, again, I mean, on paper, this is a slam dunk. This is, this is, a, this is 100% A-plus higher. I mean, how, how can it not be if you see Dable's development with uh, Josh Allen? And, and I also think being around Belichick, um, being around Nick Saban and um, even in McDermott Buffalo, I mean Buffalo is obviously not a market like New York. I think he'll handle the New York media fine. I really do. I think that's that's a big part about those jobs, right? Uh, the Jets or the Giants. You gotta be you gotta be able to handle the media. Um, I'm curious what he does with Daniel Jones. Obviously, Daniel Jones is not Josh Allen. Last time I checked, um, but. You know, I do think for how bad the Giants were last year, I do think they have pieces. Now, it's hard to say if Saquon Barkley is even considered a top 10 running back anymore, top 15. We don't know about his health. Obviously, they have some they have some receivers in Kenny Galladay and Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram that can never stay healthy. And they got some playmakers on each side of their defensive and offensive line. But again, on paper, I mean, it's it's a it's a five star higher. Right. But. Can he? Hard to go wrong you with a guy who's got five Super Bowl rings. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like, well, and not only that, to, but just, but but just the Belichick and Saban connection. Well, sure, and I mean, that coaching tree. But, but it is Daniel Dimes. 
So well, am I going to say I, he's going to turn that around? I, I can't say that. I, I mean, don't you think that the point here, I mean, you know, is not really to try and f- – I mean, what can you really fix that Dave Gettleman has already fucked up? You know what I mean? There's like, a lot right. of Daniel Jones, there. Daniel Jones is, is, is what he is, right? Like, I mean, Saquon yep. Barkley, you, you talked about. Like, we, we know what this team is. For Dable, I think it's kind of building on what they already have, and hopefully in he and, um, you know, their new general manager, Joe Shane, who has experience with Dable from their days in Buffalo together, and that was apparently a big reason why the Giants hired uh, him uh, was bec- over Brian Flores was because of the, the relationship that Dable had with the new general manager. Joe Shane, but it, this also will be sort of a, you know, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this with another coach coming up, but kind of a, you know, a referendum on the Belichick coaching tree because you got all those coaches who haven't panned out. Yeah. Uh, and that have gotten fired pretty quickly and after not having uh, not having success, including, you know, Josh McDaniels, who we'll get to later on. This this, in my opinion, other than the Houston job, which doesn't have a seat filled yet, is the toughest job on the board because the Giants have so many mistakes everywhere. The team's been bad forever and they're against the cap. Like you can't sign any free agents. You you aren't the Bengals right now. You have teams. You're, you're full. Your contract list is full and you have people leaving in free agency that contribute to your team and you can't resign them. You can't afford to. Dayball has the work cut out against him. I hope he gets a few years to get it done. I don't think he's going to be Joe Judge calling QB sneaks from their own goal line, making everybody angry. No. Uh, no. So I think he's going to get a few years to get this done. Dangles, you said my favorite hire so far has been Josh McDaniels to the Raiders. Derek Carr in the final <laughs> year of his deal. Listen, I-, I think Josh McDaniels is a very good offensive mind. I don't know if he's a good leader of men. He seems to wear himself out wherever he goes. That's not New England. But if he can unlock a new level of Derek Carr, same man who was an AFC MVP favorite before an injury late into the season, this guy can sling it. And they have money to sign people people on the outside, maybe a tight, uh, uh, some other people in, in the middle of the field to go with Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. I think McDaniels can really unlock a new version of Derek Carr even better than the top 10 QB he is. I love to see what Josh McDaniels can do. Shay for the Sharp. It's my second favorite hire in this cycle, and I'll tell you why I like it. And you said, Tony, he's, you know, it's undetermined if he's a leader of many. He seems to wear out people wherever he goes. He, it's been 11 years since he's been a head coach. I can't believe it's been over a decade. Well, he was a head like coach s- for I, half a day of Indy, and then he then he quit before the yeah, introduction. Yeah, but you press can't conference. count that. That, that. that 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 was a communication. That was a baffle. I mean, that was that was. That was Andrew Luck retiring. Yeah, yeah, that that was. But I'd like to I'd like to go back uh, in the history of the NFL with the actual margin of head coaching positions from first one to second one. I have to imagine. 10 plus years is a long time. And he clearly isn't leaving New England just for any job. He clearly is leaving New England for a no. job he thinks he can build. And so no. I, I really like this hire. Now, we've seen how, you know, the Patriots 2.0 camp's gone. I was with it with Bob Quinn, Matt Patricia. It doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. But I will say, even talking, even listening to McDaniel's press conference, he seems like a man that is really, really conscious of his past mistakes. He said it. I love the football stuff. I wasn't good at the people stuff. I wasn't good at the little things. I wasn't good at handling things in the building. He acknowledged those mistakes. And I think moving forward, he's really committed to getting that right this time and pairing him with that new GM. I kind of like this hire. This is my second favorite hire in this cycle. And I, I think, again, this is day one of this uh, predictions. I really think he will do well in Vegas for years to come. I'll tell you, Derek Carr is a hell of a lot better than Tim Tebow, who he took to the playoffs. Dangles? Yes. Well, I mean, I, I have to be honest. Like, I, my first reaction when I saw this was after all these years, after all the opportunities that have probably yeah. come and gone, after all the interviews that you've done and all the jobs you've been considered for, this is the one that pulls you away from New England? This Raiders job with this team? 
that has had, what, two winning seasons since Mark Davis took over? That's as many cities, by the way, gentlemen, as they've been in since Mark Davis took over as owners. They have as many winning seasons as cities they've been in. So, I mean, yeah, Derek Carr is great. Derek Carr could be great, but, I mean, he's seen a couple of head coaches come and go. I think they've had six head coaches come and go. So, again, since Mark Davis, I guess I'm building to a point here, and that is that I very much hope that Josh McDaniels is successful, and I want to see him win. And the reason he flamed out in Denver is because he tried to go in there and do his best impression of Bill Belichick, except he didn't have the resume of Belichick, he didn't have the wins of Belichick, and he didn't have the respect of everyone in the franchise. And you can't just alienate everyone around you and say, I'm going to do it my way and fuck you if you don't like it before you at least win and have a few years in the franchise to your point drew he says he's built on that i want to see him succeed i really do because i think he is head coaching material he's smart he knows how to run an offense he's got playoff experience he can build guys you saw him how he held mac jones's hand all season long this year guy made a pro bowl led the patriot helped lead the patriots to the playoffs still work to do but good for a first year rookie season for mac jones this guy's got all the things that you want i guess i just question you know and he brought his friend dave ziegler with him uh, patriots uh, director of player personnel is going to be the new gm in Oakland yep. or uh, in Las Vegas, everything still runs through Mark Davis, and Mark Davis is is a knee jerk guy. He makes sort of uh, you know impulse decisions sometimes. I just don't know, you know, to your point, Tony, about ownership. I just, I just don't know if this is a great setup for Josh McDaniels as far as that goes. So that's my only question heading into this. But otherwise, I think it's a great hire for the Raiders, a ten-win team this year who can only build with a, you know, with a with a head coach like Josh McDaniels. One would hope. The last hire that we're going to talk about is the Jacksonville Jaguars. They were the first team to be in need of a new head coach when they fired Urban Meyer in the middle of the season. Still, uh, a relevation that that happened this year. It feels like it was forever ago urban fingering a girl in some bar it's crazy uh the jacksonville jaguars <laughs> hired uh the hometown hero byron left which is coming back to co- oh, oh hold on no 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 when byron came into the interview he said i don't want to work with that guy and pointed to the dude sitting next to the owner shot khan and then shot khan said okay then we won't have you instead they hired doug peterson who uh by my recollection is the only head coach in this hiring cycle who has won a super bowl as a head coach and it happened in the last five years dangles they are your Jaguars. They are your second favorite team. Doug Peterson of the Jaguars instead of Byron Leftwich. How you feeling? Well, I made it very clear on this podcast that that was, you know, that I wanted Byron Leftwich, that I thought he was the right hire for this job. And I still think that today. Um, I, 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 and I, I, will, I will, I give a lot of respect to Byron Leftwich for being able to say that in the interview because not only does it show that he's a guy who knows what he wants and won't take anything less, but. In order for him to go to say that with Shad Khan sitting there and with Trent Baalke sitting there, the Jaguars GM, in order for him to say that, he must have gotten some really strong vibes from them over that very long interview process that they wanted to stick with him. And why would you want to go and step in and set yourself up for failure in a franchise where you know you're not going to be able to work well with the GM? He wanted Adrian Wilson from the Cardinals, a former safety for the Cardinals. It didn't sound like the Jaguars wanted that. I don't. I, I wish it was Leftwich. I wish we were sitting here talking about Byron Leftwich. But all of that said, I mean, it's hard to argue with Peterson's pedigree, right? He's a you know he quarterback whispered Carson Wentz into a, what was up until the time he got hurt an MVP season that year that they won the Super Bowl. He he has a res- he resurrected Mike Vick's career in his first stint with the Eagles. You have to ask him about that. What he thinks about Peterson, Tony. Next time you go on Vick and Anderson's uh, podcast, the Jaguars uh, said on Saturday that they are restructuring their front office. They filed to add an executive vice president of football ops back to their. Um, 
their front office. They made it to the AFC Championship the last time their front office was structured that way, and Tom Coughlin held that role. So they're trying to get back to what what used to work uh, and hopefully build something out of Trevor Lawrence and save him from turning into a complete and total bust. And, you know, who better to do it than a quarterback whisperer like Peterson? So I don't know. I It's not, again, it's not what I wanted for the Jaguars, but I don't hate the hire, and I think you could do a lot worse than bringing in somebody who's proven to be able to mold quarterbacks, and they need that if they're going to get anywhere with this franchise quarterback and Trevor Lawrence that they drafted first overall. The one thing I'll disagree with you on, Dangles, is the fact that Leftwich, yeah, he knew what he wanted. He came in and he asked for it, but he had to understand that this is not a one-year job to him. If Byron Leftwich is coming back to Jacksonville after this Urban Meyer thing, he has to have a leash of two to three years. Just has to, unless he blows it up completely. And after that first year of working under Trent Balky, if you guys are not performing the way you want to, the scapegoat is not going to be Byron Leftwich. So if you don't want to work with Trent Balky, okay, I get it. But you don't have the sway. You don't have the power to make that request right now. You might have it in a year. So the long play of this is what I would have done if I was in Byron Leftwich's shoes rather than asking for it on the go. The guy's never been a head coach. The guy's been an offensive coordinator for three years. I don't understand how he could come in and ask for that and expect it to happen. Didn't make any sense to me. I think it was a stupid move by him. He could have made the long play on it and worked through a bad year and gotten the uh, GM he wanted by this time next year, in my opinion. Shea for the Sharp? My favorite hire of the coaching cycle by far is Doug Peterson and the Jaguars. And left which makes all the sense in the world. He's a sexy pick. He's a former player. But, you know, I think Peterson's a better hire. And, again, you said it best, Tony. It feels like a decade ago since Urban Meyer took over. But once upon a time, this was one of the most desirable jobs that's come in the NFL in the last 15 years. Okay? Trevor Lawrence was a was just a can't-miss generational quarterback since Andrew Luck. And again, I really think the more and more I think about Trevor Lawrence's year, I really think you got to just kind of throw it burn away. the tape on it. Obviously, I mean, you have to. So you come into a place that, again, traditionally has patience with coaches. Traditionally, you have the number one pick last year. You have the number one pick this year. You have cap space. Um, you got a division that's, I don't think, going anywhere fast. And you got Doug Peterson, who, yes, Tony, he won the Super Bowl, but what means more to me, he played the position at this level. Yeah, he was a career backup, but that means something, especially when your best player is the number one uh, overall draft Left pick. Leftwich also Lawrence. did that, and he and started. He did, he did, but he didn't win and a, won he, playoff he didn't win games. a head Did he ever win a uh, Super Bowl as a head coach? No, he has no head coaching experience. So, like, it, it, my thing is but he has a Super with Bowl Doug ring. Peterson, he does, but with Peterson, the year off a lot of times is very refreshing to these guys, and I'm not comparing him to Andy Reid. But Andy Reid kind of wore out his welcome in Philadelphia, went to Kansas City, and he's taken off. We've seen this with Dan Quinn in Atlanta, and obviously he hasn't picked up a head coaching job. But I think I think this is a really good fit for Doug Peterson and the Jaguars, and I love this hire on paper. I think he's going to do really well, and I hope he does well. That's it for the head coaching hires. Again, Houston and New Orleans still to be decided. Houston circling around Josh McCown. New Orleans, it's unknown what they're going to do. I'm interested to see. Maybe Dennis Allen gets that job from the defensive coordinator. But again, seven head coaches have been hired. Whether they're good or whether they're bad, we won't know till a few years calendar time. Unless, of course, they pull an Urban Meyer. Then we'll know immediately. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But that's it. As always, Urban, you're always welcome to come on the show. Uh, that's it for the West Coast Gamblers. We're coming next uh, later on this week with the prop of Palooza to break down the Super Bowl. But for Schaefer the Sharp, Drew Schaefer Crooks, and Matthew Dangles, D'Angelo Antonio, my name is Tony Cavallo. We are the West Coast Gamblers, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network and the only gambling show that makes you money. And as always, thank you for listening. Let's go.
Dub C to the G, West Coast Gamblers. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!